Are you ready to hear the word this morning? Uh, I just really feel like God has something for us, and I, I'm not even sure that, that uh, I will be able to communicate it the way I really want to communicate it, because it's actually a message that's different than the one that I had planned for this morning. But during the, uh, the youth conference that we had here this week, we had about 100 youth here and had an amazing conference. It was powerful. God did some amazing things. I, I know they'll be talking about that in the bridge uh, this morning. And, um, and, and, and I was at, at some of it, and man, the Lord was just stirring my heart up. I was just like, just catching fire inside, thinking of uh, His plan and His purpose. And as I watched these fervent youth just worshiping God, I just was going, wow, Lord, this is totally amazing. And it was really, you know, in, in our estimations of a camp, okay, usually when you think of a youth camp, it's like, you know, a lot of fun and a lot of stuff and, you know, everything happening and all these games and all these teams and all this stuff happening. But, you know, there was really very little of that. It was hearing the word and every night they would do, um, this is amazing, they were from 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock after the services, after the preaching, they'd go have some fun and hang out outside and do a little basketball, sit around talking. They'd come in, and each night from 9 to 10, 9 to 10, they would be in this room fervently praying and seeking God every night. I thought, man, now that's, that's, that's amazing. And, and so uh, I just want to encourage you, something's happening in this generation, and, 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 and we're part of that still, <laughs> okay? I'm not losing out on this thing, and I don't want to lose out on this thing. And so, uh, and so I just want to encourage you that what's happening uh, in the spirit is much greater than what's happening in the natural. And, uh, and so... Um, uh, don't, don't miss it. Don't be distracted. And, and it seems like we're coming now back to a place where we can get away from so many distractions and get on board with what the Holy Spirit's trying to say. A.W. Tozer, an amazing man of God, uh, uh, made this statement. He says, God dwells in a state of perpetual enthusiasm. <laughs> God dwells in this constant state. Jonathan was talking about seeing God up on the throne, you know, and he wasn't up there wringing his hands and worried, are you going to, you know, what's going to happen? And, you know, he's not up there doing that. And, uh, and even when it looks stormy, if God's in the house, you're going to be okay. Remember when, when the disciples were on the boat and God said, hey, go to the other side, and he went down and took a snooze down in the lower half, and he was snoozing, and the storm came up, and the disciples freaked out and, you know, uh, ran and grabbed him, so that was the smart thing for them to do. They ran and got him and woke him up, and, and, and yet he spoke to him and just kind of said, hey, listen, you know, you have the faith to do what I'm about to do, and that's exactly what he was saying to them, oh, ye of little faith. And, and, and so he was essentially telling them they could do this, uh, that whatever needed to be done. I believe that calls coming back to the church in this day and in this hour. We've seen mighty moves of God across, the, across, our, across our nation uh, for hundreds of years. We've seen revival after revival after revival. And we've seen these things happen. And, and I tell you what, it's time for another one. And, and, and we could potentially, and I hope... I'm a part of that. But I don't want to miss it either. I don't want to miss it because I'm just sitting back on my hands. 
But I, I love this statement, and I'll read the rest of it. God dwells in a state of perpetual enthusiasm. He is delighted with all that is good and lovingly concerned about all that is wrong. He pursues his labors always in a fullness of holy zeal. No wonder the Spirit came at Pentecost as the sound of the mighty rushing wind and sat in tongues of fire on every forehead. What was he doing? He was trying to display exactly what it was supposed to look like. What, was this, what, what is his church supposed to look like? And whatever else happened at Pentecost, one of the things cannot be missed by the most casual observers was the sudden upsurging of moral enthusiasm. Those first disciples burned with steady inward fire. They were enthusiastic to the point of complete abandonment after Pentecost. I thought, oh my goodness, Lord, that is exactly what transpired. But we've seen the ups and downs of God's people, His chosen people, in particular, let's just say His remnant. We've seen their ups and downs through the course of history. And we've seen it in our days where the church just gets kind of distracted and gets off of course and maybe discouraged and maybe into sin and maybe into different things. And pretty soon, the presence of God, they're not walking with it anymore. Because, see, God's going down a pathway. As it was mentioned earlier, He's got a plan for the universe. He's got everything mapped out. And we have the privilege, the opportunity to be a part of that. But we also have the, the, uh, the ability or the right to step away from that and to not follow God. We can choose for a season. How many have maybe not followed God as close as you could have for at least a little season in your life at one point or another? Could I see your hand? Come on now. I'm waiting for all of you. I don't want anybody to lie in church. I mean, come on. Of all places, everybody, everybody has. If, if, if you've walked with less than passion and zeal toward God, you've not walked in His pathway. Yeah, you liked that one, didn't you? <laughs> I'm sure you're going <laughs> to forward that one somewhere. But it's a reality. It's, 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 let's get on board with what the Lord's doing. And I agree with what Tozier says. God dwells in a state of perpetual enthusiasm. And, and it's not a fake enthusiasm. I mean, he sees what, exactly what's happening on the planet. He knows everything from the beginning to the end. But yet he's excited about the fact that his plan is not going to fail. His plan is going to succeed. His plan and purpose is going to happen. And, 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 I, and I love that fact. And, and so as we look at some things this morning, I want to talk about the word passion. Passion. And that's what was burning in my heart through this past week with the youth and stuff like, it's like, Lord, where is the passion of your church. It was so strong at Pentecost. When they came down out of that upper room, everybody saw some, some excitement springing up inside of them. And you know, there were all kinds of different people there. There were some introverts that came down. Come on, there were some extroverts that were up there. There were some young people that were up there. There were some old people that were up there. But they all came down with such a flurry of passion and zeal that the people that were seeing them come down said, man, they have got to be drunk. There was a passion flowing out of them. And then it says they went out into the cities. And as they went out into the cities, it said the, the first group that ran into a group of those disciples, it says 3,000 of them got saved. How come? 
Why? Why 3,000 got saved? I mean, here we are in a Roman Empire that's going to kill you for being saved. And then it said 5,000 got saved. And then it said, at one point they said, man, what are we going to do with these disciples? They have turned cities upside down. Well, what, what made them do that? What was different? I believe it was the passion of the Lord. Even as Jesus Christ went to the cross for us, it's called the Passion Week, isn't it? And, and I know the definition of that is a little bit different, but I believe that he, he absolutely had a passion in his heart for you. He had a passion for you. He loved you so much. And, and I pulled up a, a, just a small clip of that movie, The Passion, that came out a few years back. And, and, and I watched that again, and it showed the part where... You probably remember the scene. Here's Jesus carrying the cross. His blood, his face is bloody. And, and he's carrying the cross down the, the, the street. And there's crowds all around him. And they're pushing him and hitting him and spitting on him. And they're doing all these things. And his face is just wretched looking. And there's Mary over on the side street watching him come. And, and, and it flashes to a picture. If you remember this, it flashes to a picture of when he was a little kid. And he was running down the road. And he fall, fell down on the ground on the dirt. And Mary ran over to him and grabbed him and picked him up and loved on him and, and cared for him. And in this particular scene, she runs over to him, but they wouldn't let her near him. And they kept flashing back and forth. And I thought, wow, Jesus looks over at her. And it was the passion in his heart that said, he's okay. He said, it's going to be okay. It's going to happen. It's going to be finished here soon. That's what he told his mother. Because he knew it. Because why? Because there was a passion in his heart for what he was doing. Even the scriptures say, for the joy that was set before him. You know who that joy is? It's you. You're the joy that was set before him. It says he endured this cross. And man, when I watched that again last night, I just was reminded how much we don't understand what he went through for you and I. I mean, it was wretched. It was horrible. I think, wow, Lord, Help me to never forget that picture of what you did for me so that I might run with the same passion that you had. That I might run this race the whole way, every day of my life. I will not let anything get in the way of having a passion for him. But it was a passion, I believe, that literally began to change the then known world and bring Christ to them. And I believe it'll be the same thing in this last day. It's going to be a, a people that are out there hurting and lost and confused and messed up that are going to look at a people that are filled with this passion in the middle of it all. And they're going to be able to see the light of Jesus Christ. And we sung about it this morning. They're going to be able to see this thing. They're going to see Christ in you. But, you know, if, if, if I have no passion, if I've lost my passion, what will they see? Just another nice person. There's something about the passion that's deeper than just natural zeal. It's, it's, it's a connection with the living God. I, I was going to bring a glove here and kind of show you that, you know, the way that God wants to work in our lives is like uh, we're the glove and he's in the, he's in the glove controlling you and revealing himself through that. And he's allowing us to be that. And that's exactly what he's done. He says, I'm going to make you my glove, and I'm going to fill you with my spirit. 
And that's what he's done. And yet so often we let that just wane and, and you know, we, we get caught up in the everyday life. I love some of the songs and the words today. I'm just telling you, there's victory for your life. There is nothing too difficult for your God. There's nothing. Whatever you're telling yourself is difficult or impossible for God, that's an absolute lie against the Word of God. And so we have to change the way we think about it. I think about Jesus one day when uh, a man walked up to Jesus and said, okay, Jesus, what's the most important thing? You know, he's kind of like us trying to trick him into something. He's just trying to talk him, you know, get his way going. What's the most important thing to you? And, and I love what he answers because his answer was actually a response of, of passion. He says, here's what the best is. Of all the prophets, of all the Old Testament, of all the New Testaments, here's the most important. And really it was the exposure of his passion. Listen to his words as, as I read it, his response. Here's what it is. Love, Matthew chapter 12, or Mark 12, 12. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind and with all of your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. There is nothing greater. There's no greater commandment than these. Wow. So you hear the passion in his heart? You know, he's like, hey, you're messing around with all this other stuff. You're distracted with other things, and I'm bringing you back to what it's really all about. Have a passion and a zeal. Love me with all of your heart, not with part of you, not just a little bit, not just a casual bit, but love me with all, 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 everything, mind, strength. I mean, he just reinforces this thing over and over, and he says, this is what I want of you. This is what I'm calling you to, and I believe this will be the people that make a difference in this day. The Apostle Paul says it this way in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 23, whatever you do, do it with all your heart as unto the Lord, not unto men. Wow. What if we all just took a hold of that one? I wonder how many people are on the sideline today because they tried doing stuff for the Lord and maybe somebody didn't quite appreciate it or they didn't get appreciated for it. And, and, and they walked away discouraged away from the Lord. When what he's saying here is, no, 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 no. Don't look for the praise of men. But you do it for me. You see, that's the challenge we have walking on this planet is to keep our focus where it needs to be. And, 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 and I'm saying this morning that I believe that passion is important in every one of our lives, no matter what your age no matter what, uh, uh, what uh, your personality is, because it's not a personality thing and it's not an age thing because it's the power of the Holy Spirit thing that we're releasing inside of us, that power that he said would actually quicken, move, motivate your physical body is from the Spirit of the living God. And yet, we get, we, 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 again, we live in a retirement uh, culture where we begin to think we're going to start winding down. Can I just tell you, it's never time to wind down. And it's an amazing thing, because guess what? In our culture, it's okay, it's even appropriate for us to be passionate about anything as long as it's not God. Have you noticed that? I mean, we can be passionate about sports, we can be passionate about movies, we can be passionate about food, we can get excited about all kinds of things, and it's all acceptable until it comes to God. And all of a sudden, it seemed like something happened. 
calm down. You're going to excite God. <laughs> you know, calm down. God can't handle your enthusiasm for him. And, 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 but it just happens. But it, it, you see what I'm saying? Because it's reality. It's, it's everything's acceptable. Everything's acceptable to go crazy over, and nobody says anything about it until it comes to God. And you walk into a church, and all of a sudden, if somebody jumps or gets excited about Jesus, people start freaking out. Does that seem ridiculous to just me? She meant no. It's ridiculous for us to think that we need to all of a sudden get quiet when we get in the presence of God. That's why I think in worship, if I could just exhort you, you want to see a transformed heart and life and mind of yours, you get yourself into worship with everything that's in you. And you'll walk out of here different every time that you walk in here. But as long as I just sit back, and uh, it's just God. He's, he's secure. He's not insecure. You know what I'm saying? But we get, I don't know where we get these mindsets. I'm trying to figure it all out. But what I wanted to do, just to take one second here, I want to read you about four scriptures that talk to you about maybe the characteristics of your father God. Because usually kids carry the characteristics of their fathers. Okay? So listen to this here. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Well, he's lavished this love on you. Uh, Psalms 48, 9. Within your temple, O God, we meditate on what? Your unfailing love. Man, I'm telling you, if you don't see that as passion. Jeremiah 31, 3. The Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love, and I have drawn you with loving kindness. I hope you see where God's at with you right now, and this is for you very personally right now. He's, he's passionately in love with you. This is for you. Isaiah 62, 5. As a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so will your God rejoice over you. Wow. I found this verse in Zephaniah. It's in a season where King Josiah, uh, uh, Josiah is the king, and uh, they're having a lot of problems with the uh, people of God, and a judgment comes in the first couple chapters, and sounding pretty doom and gloom and pretty bad. They deserved it. They deserved it. They were earned it. But then God comes back with these words to finish off Zephaniah in chapter 3 and verse 17. It says, the Lord your God is with you. Now keep in mind, they were just being rebuked for everything that they were doing wrong. And, and maybe you're there today, you, you feel the same way. You know, I've just messed up and I keep messing up and, and I just keep doing things wrong and um, I keep blowing it. And, and I just want you to know where God's heart is towards you. Because he wants to pull you out of that so he can get back into intimacy with you. So that he can change you from glory to glory. The Lord, your God, is with you. He's mighty to save. He, he will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. And he will rejoice over you with singing. Wow. What a powerful thought. God of the universe is saying this to a rebellious group of people. And he says the same thing to us. He sings over us. He's passionate over us. He's not just sitting on a throne 
uh, unexcited. <clears throat> I think he's excited every time he looks down and sees you. And, 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 and in particular, when you're, when, you're, when you're doing your best to do the will of God. And you're wanting to follow him and walk with him and connect with him. And so I wanted to just take a quick moment and go through several things that I think cause people to lose their passion. I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but I've had seasons of up and down. I go up and down, up and down, and, you know, it's, it's sad, but you just do. And, and I thought, well, why has that happened? And, and so I just put down several things to just to, to, to buzz through. We wouldn't have time to go through these in detail today, but to buzz through, to kind of give us maybe a picture of, of what causes this to happen. Because otherwise, you're going to just blame the wrong thing, and you're going to rank, blame the wrong person on it, instead of really coming back to, to, to seeing what's really happening here. The first one is just unclear purpose. Uh, I've talked to many believers that have no idea that God actually has a plan on the earth and that they are actually a part of it, a vital part of it. Every one of you in this room are a vital part of what God's plan is. Every last one of you, from the youngest to the oldest. It doesn't stop. That plan of purpose keeps going. And, and, and yet so many people don't realize that. Isaiah felt frustrated once in his life, and he said this statement. He says, I've labored to no purpose. And I have spent my strength in vain for nothing. <laughs> so he's just kind of like making it clear to us, man, I, I got to have purpose. I lost my purpose. I lost my way. I never got it. And, and that was a waste of time. But yet God wants to pull us back into that clear purpose. Uh, and, and, and that clear purpose is going to help create passion in your heart and in your life. And, and, and we have to understand that. The second thing is just buried talent. As you read through the scriptures, you'll find out that God has given everybody talents and abilities. And, and, and if you've chosen to not walk in those or not care about those or maybe not investigate those and learn about those and, and you just got all these talents inside but they're not really being used, whether at work or, or, or spiritually, and they should be used in both, you're going to begin to get, you're going to lose some passion. You're going to be discouraged and frustrated. Why? Because you're not using those talents. You've buried your talent. And God would want to stir those talents back up and find out. 1 Corinthians 7, 17, each one of you should live his life with the gift that the Lord has given him. Each one of you should live your life with that gift, with that talent, with those abilities that he's given to you. Discover from God, as Patricia was saying this morning, where's your imagination with your life? You know, are you figuring that, man, God really, he gave me this ability to do what I do, Everything I have is because of him. He's the creator. He made me. He gave, he put the little chips in me to make me function like I function on the good side. Uh, he made these chips in me to function like I function. And you are going to be frustrated and disappointed and even discouraged when you're not walking in those. It's very important that we get that. He's built you for a purpose because why? He wants to use you as well as to show you his miraculous power. The third thing I put down is just an unbalanced schedule. Some of you just need to work on your schedule a little bit. You are doing too much, either at work or maybe at church or wherever the case may be. You just don't have a balanced schedule, and it's just burning you out, and you're just, oh, man, I'm just exhausted. Why, why am I exhausted? I'm serving God. I'm serving. Well, maybe your schedule's a little unbalanced. You just need to be worked on. And all of these things can be worked on. The fourth thing was unresolved conflict, and this is huge. This is huge because I think... It's, it's something that sometimes we kind of just brush aside. 
and, and, and maybe sometimes, and maybe you've done this yourself, it's just like out of sight, out of mind. <laughs> I'm not around them. We had a big to-do or something at some point. Now I'm not around them, and so I can think what I want to think. I don't have to get something resolved, but that's really not true. It's actually one of the things that probably uh, could be one of the largest passion killers that there are uh, in your life next to sin. Uh, passion killing you know, emotions, resentment, jealousy, prolonged anger. Uh, Job 5.2 puts it this way. Listen to this. Resentment destroys the fool and jealousy kills the simple. Wow. How many feel like that's a loss of passion? <laughs> I think it is. He goes on to say in verse 18, chapter 18, you are only hurting yourself with your anger. Boy, is that ever true? You know, this is so true. If you ever had somebody run you off the road, you know, and you accidentally somehow cut you off, and, and you gripe the whole way to your business, you know, you gripe, and you ruin your mood for that day, and that person probably had no idea that he even did that to you. You, you just, you, you, you're only hurting yourself with your anger. And, and so how's conflict going with you? Are you getting those things resolved? And, and are you resolving them biblically? The fifth uh, thing that's going to kill your passion is an isolated lifestyle. You just become a loner. And we've talked about this before. Ecclesiastes says that two is better than one. It's better to have people around you. But sometimes we just isol isolate ourselves back. And, and I know as a guy it's easy to do. I don't know how girls do it. But guys, it's easy to do because we want to have the answers. And we want, we're frustrated when we don't have the answers. And we want to have the answers before we want to get back to somebody because we just want to have the answers. And we should have the answers, you know. And so it, sometimes it causes us to withdraw from people and isolate ourselves. And that's very dangerous because keep in mind the sheep and the wolf analogy uh, that we, we know is true where the wolf will try to separate the sh the, one of the sheep so they can destroy it while the others are in the, in the pack. And the sixth thing is an undernourished spirit. Now we've talked about this for the last few weeks, being filled with the Holy Spirit. And I think it's important for us to understand that the, uh, the, the Holy Spirit is, is, it can be nourished in our lives and actually needs to be. There's different ways that we nourish our spirit. You nourish it in the Word. You nourish it in worship. You, you nourish it in your prayer language. You nourish it uh, in, in different ways. And it's important for you to keep in mind, you always want your spirit to be stronger than your soul and your body. You always want that to be. And if you're not nourishing it, you're going to fall prey to weakness and not be able to overcome and frustrate yourself because, man, why can't I overcome this thing? Why do I keep going back to it? It's because you're not potentially nourishing your spirit. And the last thing that's uh, really a spirit killer, a quencher, passion killer is unconfessed sin. Unconfessed sin. And this is what the psalmist David said about that. He says, my guilt has overwhelmed me. In other words, it's pushed my passion down. My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. I appreciated the song direction this morning of the freedom that we have in Christ, and he does forgive us. And yet he tells us how, that's, how that happens. He doesn't want you to continue on sin, because that's deceptive and deceiving. But it says, I am bowed down and I am brought low. 
1 John 1, 9 says this is how you deal with that. You confess your, uh, if we confess our sins, God is, can be trusted to forgive you and our sins and cleanse us from all that unrighteousness. So he's given us the antidote for it, but we have to step up into it. But if we have unconfessed sin, you're going to find it pretty hard to just jump into the presence of God and say, oh, just fill me right up, God, today. Just fill me right up. Because guess what? He, he wants you to be filled, yes, but he also wants you to deal with areas of sin. Because remember, let's not forget the bigger plan and scheme of God. He's coming back for a bride without spot or wrinkle. Come on, how many are excited about that? How many will be excited about that? Another scripture that kind of came to my mind was uh, Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 12, and I'm going to read it out of the Passion uh, Translation. It's up there for you. So don't allow your hearts to grow dull. So we know right there that this can happen. Just the fact that he says this should, should stir our hearts to say, you know, this can really happen. My heart can really grow dull. I can lose my passion. And, and I can lose my excitement about knowing and serving the living God. I can just, it can just begin to disappear on me. And, and, uh, and he goes on to say, or lose your enthusiasm, but follow the example of those who fully received what God has promised because of their strong faith and patient endurance. The message says it this way. And now I want each of you to extend that same intensity toward a full-bodied hope and keep it till the finish. Don't drag your feet. Be like those who stay the course with committed faith faith, and then uh, get everything promised to them. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Hebrews 2.1, Therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard. Uh, lest we drift away. Now, I know that it's a drifting. It's not just this all of a sudden thing, and sometimes that's why we miss it, because we just kind of drift away from that. But can I just ask you, just on a personal level here, and you're watching from home, that you would ask yourself that. How, how is your passion? How is your passion for God, really? You know, do you, do you wake up in the morning thinking about Him? You remember some of most of you. Some of you have been engaged here. <laughs> most of you have been engaged here, and married here. And, and you remember how, when you met that person, you begin to think about him a lot. You know what I'm talking about. Anybody here? I mean, wives, elbow your husbands. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we, there's something about you wake up and you think about him. You think about him. You think about him. Do you do that with God? Or do you wake up and let another lover, I mean another something, get in your way? I'm just trying to be as pointed as I can because I think that God wants to really stir up his body right now with passion. He wants to do something and to ignite something inside of you to, to, to connect with you in a fresh way that's going to literally transform your life, put you on track with his plan and purpose for you. Why? Because it's going to be your greatest delight. And remember what I read already. He loves you with an everlasting love. He loves you. He cares about you. But I just wonder sometimes when we say that we, we, we love God and we're there, but yet really I might not be. 
And that was just burning in me all week long. I thought, wow, you know, most of the kids in the group were passionate for the Lord. Most of the kids were. But there were some that were just sitting back through the whole thing. And, 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 and my heart began to break, thinking, you know, they just haven't tasted and seen that the Lord is really good. Something's missing in their life. I wasn't being critical of them in my heart. My heart was breaking for them because I thought, wow, you know, what's the world going to see in our lives? I believe it's going to be the passion that comes from Christ, right? The hope of God that's in you is begging to get out of you. He's inside of you saying, I need you to do what? To glorify the Father. And do you know what glorifying the Father means? The glory glory of God is simply to reveal Him. That's all it is. The glory of God is that I would reveal Him. And so now my question is, is God on the throne enthusiastic and full of life? I think He is. I think He's so excited. I think, yes, He doesn't like to look down and see the garbage that's happening, but, you know, I, I think he has some, some sunglasses or some 3D glasses or something that helps him to see past all of those that are rebellious and sees his sons and his daughters loving him with all their heart and all their mind and all their strength and everything that's within him. He's looking down and he's seeing sold out people for the kingdom of God. It's really number one. It's not number two. It's number one. Everything else you can forget about or miss or maybe not do as well, but not the kingdom business, not the relationship that you have with your father. I hope you're really hearing what I'm trying to get across because I just feel that we've been robbed of that. We're being robbed of that. And in the last days, remember I said last week, things are going to get worse. Okay, he didn't tell you that so that you could get less passionate and hide. Okay, he didn't tell us that. He was just telling us, hey, just get ready for it because I have the answer. I have the answer for this. Right? Come on, that's what he's trying to say. But if I'm just sitting back and doing nothing with what he's given me, I assure you it will sit next to you the rest of your life. And you won't finish the course the way that he has designed for you, which means you won't have the joy and the excitement on this crazy planet because you're not doing the will of the Father. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And so there's something about the heart of the Father that's saying to the people, come on in, let's just go for it. we got a big job to do here. I've got people prepared to receive me, but who's going to give the gospel to them? And how will they give it to them? I guarantee you're not going to give it to them if you're all sad and burned out. You're not even going to want to. You're not going to have the energy. You're going to be out of energy. You know, so many people are out of energy today. And I just wonder sometimes if maybe we've just given up the passion. We've given up the power. So if I could have uh, uh, Jonathan come up real quick or somebody. Uh, Let me just give you these three steps of how to increase the passion, how to increase your passion for God. The first one, just quickly, 
confess that you've lost your passion. And again, if I ask most people to raise their hand, I can guarantee you that the most people, if I said, have you lost your passion, I guarantee, even in this group, and those of you watching online, you're not going to raise your hand. And, and I, I, I want to just say this to you, to some degree, because the last day is going to be covered with deception. And you would have already convinced yourself that you're doing the very best you can do, but maybe you're not. Because deception <laughs> is pretty thick. Are you hearing what I'm saying here this morning? I just want you to hear this and, and take it home and chew on it like I've been chewing on it. Because if you will, if you ask yourself, have I lost some of my passion? And just be honest with it. Have I lost some of my joy? It, it, then, then that's a good starting place for God. Second thing, recognize the reason that you've lost your passion. Now, we listed a whole bunch of things there that I just said. Priscilla... Shire says this, and I, and I agree with this. This is just really a great statement. It says, we, we tend to see our problems and struggles as non in non-spiritual terms. And because of that, we tend to seek non-spiritual solutions. And man, every one of us has to fight this. If we think everything that's happening around us, even though the Bible already clearly said, <laughs> you're not wrestling with flesh and blood, right? But what are we wrestling with? Can I hear it real loud? What are we wrestling with? Spiritual things, right? See, I mean, we just got to get a grip on that and just say, okay, I need to really memorize that. I need to realize that because if I'm not, I'm going to continue to try to fight these things in the natural. And guess what? I'm going to get more burned out and then I'm going to get more burned out on people. And then the ultimate goal of God or I mean of Satan in your life is that you would then get burned out on God. Come on, just simply because you, you weren't seeing the battle clearly. Let's be real. Ephesians 6, 12, we're not battling against flesh and blood. And then the third thing is just to make up your mind that you're going to regain your passion. Just make up your mind. You know, I, I sat back here during some of the worship of the youth conference, you know, and I was sitting there, and I was just getting a little discouraged. My heart was getting heavy because of what I was seeing. I was seeing this amazing thing up here, but then I got focused on just the few back there. And all of a sudden, something began, I began to lose something. And and and, 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 and and I lost what I shouldn't have lost. And that was, look at that. A hundred kids up here raising their hands, worshiping God, spending an hour in prayer after all-day meetings. Come on, we couldn't even get some of us to do that. Even Jesus said to his disciples, could you not just tarry one hour? You know what I'm saying? And so, so I've seen this, and then all of a sudden I realized, you know something? I'm heading down the wrong track. And I felt the Holy Spirit tell me, yeah, you really are. Sometimes if you just voice where you're really at, he'll confirm it for you. <laughs> He's not ashamed to tell you the truth, you know. Uh, and, 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 and he just began to say that, and I, I remember kicking into a spiritual warfare mode. And I was back in the back, man. I just began to pace back and forth. And I began to pray in my prayer language. And I began to fight past 
seeing the wrong picture and getting focused on the wrong thing because it was robbing me of a passion that I should have had for what was really happening right here. And, 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 and I had to just choose to do that. I had to make up my mind to say, you know, that's what I'm going to do. Can I just tell you it's that easy for you? You get up in the morning, and when you feel the distractions coming on, just make up your mind. No, I'm going to seek God first. That's what he said. And if he said it, it must be the best thing for me. And if I'll just do it, I'll begin to find the fruit of it in my life. I'll begin to restore the passion that literally is going to pull me through the day. And so I need to make up my mind that I'm not going to live with no passion ever again. Because even if all I have to do is stop and think about what Jesus Christ did for me on the cross... That's enough for me to be happy the rest of my days. How many can say amen to that? I mean, if that's all he ever did for you and everything else fell apart, that's enough right there. As it says, none of us deserved it. None of us even wanted it. We all even kicked against it once he offered it. But he continued on uh, because of that love I talked to you about that he had. He, had a, he has a passion for you. He has a passion for you. And then just the last thing is just begin to take action. Do something about it. What is it that we can do, you know? Well, I can worship God. I can just look in, look in the Bible and say, what does it mean and how do I worship God? Well, he said, lift up my hands, man. I'm going to lift up my hands. He said, sing unto God. I'm going to sing. He said, shout unto God. I'm going to shout. Now, guess what? No secular counselor is going to tell you that's how you're going to get out of your mess. But I'm going to tell you, Worship will get you out of the mess and win the battle for you. Just following what he says and, and really letting him fill you with his passion and fill you with his love. And so that you're every day you're getting up and you're not just a, you know, just a, a walking dead. But you're literally on fire for the living God who passionately loves you. And you just think about that for just a second as, as, as I close. Think about you being really passionate about somebody that you know very close. Maybe it's your wife, spouse. Maybe it's just a really close friend. Maybe it's mom and dad, you know, just somebody close. Envision it in your mind and you're so totally excited about them, and you're so excited to see them every time you see them, and you're always going after them, and you're always speaking words to them, but they never responded ever to your initiation. And can I just tell you, God has already initiated and continues to initiate his love towards you. It's never stopped. He sits on the throne enthusiastic toward you. He's not enthusiastic about the trees. He's not enthusiastic about the world. He's enthusiastic about you. And he, if you just begin to respond to him, you're going to see something take place that the Bible says the world is looking for. Right? Right? The whole earth is looking and yearning. It's, it means they're stretching their neck out to see what? The manifestation, the revealing of the sons and daughters of God. Why? Because they're glorifying Him. And whenever He's lifted up, people will be drawn to Him. 
but it's just simply getting filled with the passion of God and never letting yourself settle for anything less. Would you just bow your heads for just a second with me right now? My first question was, could you just admit that maybe you have lost your passion or maybe you've never really experienced it yet? I'm going to believe that God's going to give you a dose of it for free. Because if it's not alive in you, it's very difficult. But maybe you've experienced it, but yet today you, you would really honestly be able to say, you know, I've been so distracted with life and worried about life and frustrated about this and frustrated about that and I've had disappointments and so forth and, 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 and yet God wants to say if you'll just erase that thinking if you'll just believe me that it's really a spiritual warfare and you put your battle into that I will give you the victory I'll give you the victory breakthrough flag that you need I know he will I know he will So, Father, this morning, I pray for every person in this room. If anybody doesn't know Jesus, even for the first time, in the way that I've been expressing in a passionate, loving way, today would be the day that they reach out and from their heart confess Jesus as Lord. And, Father, I pray that each one of us this morning, I think I speak for myself too, I want to begin to lay aside distractions. I want to begin to lay aside different things and really allow your Holy Spirit to fire me back up like you did in the book of Acts. I don't want to live with less than that. (coughs) Excuse me. It's not satisfying. It's frustrating. So fire me up, Lord, this morning. Keep my heart burning. Let my heart burn for you every single day. You're so worth it, and, and, and you're so worthy, and you've been so good to us, God. You really could have just annihilated all of us long ago but you said you didn't want anybody to perish and so father today we just come to you and just commit and recommit our heart to you in the name of jesus 